All right, guys, just a few housekeeping items before we get this uh, episode underway. One thing I wanted to let people know about is our Patreon, and that is kind of like a crowdfunding oh, platform, and right now we actually have a pretty cool giveaway going on on that end. We are giving away a pack of XOP mini sticks, and right now there's only nine people entered into the drawing. Um, as far as that is concerned. So really good odds there. If you guys are interested, we are putting out some exclusive podcasts on Patreon, uh, specifically around like a new piece of public land attack. Um, So if you're interested in joining, there is, you know, some content that is exclusive to that outlet. Another thing I thought worth mentioning is we did a YouTube video on Oh, out-of-state camping DIY gear. So if you're tuning into this podcast looking for oh, DIY whitetail, traveling whitetail stuff, we just did a video related to some camping-type gear and some preparations that we like. Um, it's one of the last two videos we've done on YouTube. So check that bad boy out. And finally, if you are going to pick up any custom gear this off-season, enter code WEXP at checkout. And by all means, if you want to reach out to me, ask any questions regarding some of that gear, uh, stick recommendations, uh, our YouTube has a handful of things, but uh, by all means, hit me up in the DMs. I'll respond to you uh, when I can, but I I do try to respond to guys asking gear type questions. All right, guys, hope you enjoy the episode. I really like what Johnny's got going on. I think he's a funny guy, a good guy. He's clearly doing it at a high level, and he's got a lot of experience doing these uh, out-of-state type hunts. Enjoy. All right, welcome to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. I'm pretty jacked up today. Uh, I've got a, a good guest on, a guy that's that's kind of known in this community and done a few bigger podcasts lately. And uh, today we're going to talk a lot about out-of-state deer hunting. I'm going to be able to pick uh, Johnny Stewart's uh, brain, and I think it'll it'll be a good conversation for our core audience and, and guys kind of interested in, in this style hunting or making any trips and maybe expanding to another state next season. But uh, Johnny, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you making time. We've been chit-chatting a little bit come fall, and then uh, I texted you oh, a week or two ago, and I was so fired up on a podcast you had done and, and just wanted to talk deer. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. I'm, I'm glad to uh, be here and talk to you, man. Yeah, yeah. So those of you guys, if this is the first time you, you, you've, you've heard the name Johnny Stewart, I would recommend he just did a Wired to Hunt within the last month on Mountain Bucks. Uh, go to Bo's podcast, East, East Meets West. He's done a few really good ones there, some good story ones. He gives bow hunting fiend a hard time, so that's always a good thing. Um, and then I, I really like a few of the Exodus ones uh, that you have done. I have re-listened to a few of those, and that actually kind of brings me to my first bullet point. The, the line you said in one of those podcasts has stuck with me and been a, a good tool for my arsenal, and that is, when you leave the truck to do camera work, you got to take more than one camera because you can always ditch the one on like a B minus spot, yeah. you know, otherwise you keep that one camera and you get all the way back and you, you yeah. didn't deploy it. I'm glad it's working for you, Brian. Yeah. I've done it so many times. You go for just a little, I mean, even if you park the vehicle and I'm going to go check your spot or whatever, and you'll take a camera and you look for that perfect spot and you get back to your vehicle and you're like, man, I should have put it back at that scrape or at that trail. So always actually anymore i'm so busy i'll just put one around my waist and i'll grab one in my hand and i'll take off so yeah i have two and then you can throw the one out and then if you do get back to the vehicle you you know you at least got the one on a mediocre spot or maybe it's the best spot you find so 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think you're more efficient too because uh, uh, you're volume shooting at that point. You can put two in an area. You've you've left the truck. You've already spent the time to get there. I'm I, that that little tip actually has gone a long way with me, and so so I mention it regularly. And uh, for a while, I didn't have the the exact guy who said it, and I re-listened to a podcast, and now can give you credit every time. Yeah, and now as many cameras as people got now, just grab two, you know, and and you know what I'm finding out more often than not the cameras I put out in the mediocre spot end up being the bang spot. It's like, man, I didn't expect that. Then you're, you know, there's a spot you think are going to be the excellent spot. Then you grab them, you're, you're so pumped up. And then, then you look at the card, you want to cry because it sucks. <laughs> you know? So that's what's great about deer hunting. You're like, it's going to be as good as the best spot. It's going to be awesome. Then you check out, I was like, huh, you know, what do I really know about these deer? So that's why you keep scouting and learning, you know? Exactly. So, Let's get to some out-of-state talk, and, and let's just paint a picture. You do a handful of states a year. What kind of, how many states do you roughly hit in a given year, um, and how many days roughly do you think you spend out-of-state deer hunting? Um, probably lately, I got funneled into PA, that's where I live, but even then, I traveled two to three hours to hunt in PA. I don't, I hunt just, I live just south of Pittsburgh, so there's not much here. I grew up hunting in this area, but uh I usually go north or wherever, but um, so that's a, it's an in-state hunt, but it's also, I travel. Yeah. I have a place, it's a place I've been going to for years. I got a camp, but um, Ohio, I've been hitting pretty often in um, Iowa. I've been actually pulled for a late season muzzleloader tag in Iowa for like four out of five years. So I've been getting the, those three states and hunting them hard the last three years. But um, so, and then like you start learning that area and you just want to hit that area. You know, and also with my work schedule, my uh, excavation business, I, you know, this is my sixth year I've started my business. So before that, I worked excavation for a guy and I said, hey, come November, you won't see me. So like yeah. that's how I live my life from November through January. And, and I would do four or five states. Um, but I'm learning now with my limited time, even three states is, is tough because I'm I'm trying to get it, I'm pushing myself to get it done. So I kind of put myself in um, like the average person's days off and, and stuff. That's about where I'm at now, when, where years ago I did, I had all winter off. So I do, so, you know, I did hunt more states, four to five, but now three is plenty, you know, and, and, I, and I do this year, uh I'm too impatient trying to get it done in the one state to get to the next state you know so um i could talk about years where i would travel do five states you know maybe six yeah. well, well let me back back you up just to touch and ask um you know you said the last couple of years you've only been hunting three states but uh are you making like multiple trips to ohio or are you doing maybe oh let me get a big rut trip i know you've talked about iowa is kind of your late season destination give me a few more uh pull, bullet points around you know how many trips you do or uh do you go for a long period of time or maybe a few long weekends well i've been focusing too on the rut because when you get out of state you know sometimes early season you don't and you know you're hunting maybe some rugged terrain to where you might have a half hour walk in you know and you might if you're to where if you're going early season maybe september october or or what have you uh sometimes it's just not if to hunt all day you know your chance of seeing deer or less to where 
So I've been focusing on the rut for one, yeah. you know, yeah. and so I've been sticking usually like Ohio, I would go, I have places I go two to five hours um, from home and I would try to, you know, and I'm starting to learn the area. Um, Cause I've been there, you know, in the area I'm in now in Ohio, four years, three years now, and but different areas I've been in in Ohio, I'm just kind of gradually moving, but you know, I'm into my third, fourth year, but it seems like I might make a summer trip. Um, but it seems like uh, I'm more uh, focused on like September when they start. To me, I feel like, I don't know if it's the truth, but like before the deer shed their velvet, they get out of the summer mode to where yeah. if you're in the woods and this and that, you know, and then, you know, as the daylight drops, they maybe associate that with hunting pressure. So I don't like to, I like to get in like right at the end of August, September, and so if I go to Ohio, I'll just hang a bunch of cameras and let them soak till when I get, maybe I will get a chance um, once in, in October and check in, maybe move them. And then I just focus on usually the third week of November. So, um, so you, you, you take advantage of Ohio not having an early gun season and, and you kind of come here, we'll call it the second half of November after you've really chased them hard. In your yeah, probably right up, right up until uh, Thanksgiving. I try to get down here because otherwise I'm, usually in um, Pennsylvania, um, and, and in the years past, I would uh, kind of maybe hit Illinois, add Illinois in there, or if I would go up to New York, wherever, just, um, but yeah, that's what I do. I kind of just um, focus on the rut, because that's the time that you're going to see your most movement, um, and that's the time that you can spend maybe a three-day hunt, you know, to where you maybe sit in a tree every day, and so, yeah, I would usually focus on, like, third week of November, um, but I would like to get down there in October um, more to hunt. Um, I just don't got the time, but even if I do get down in around the 16th, 18th, right when they start scraping and moving, I, pretty good. Um, I, I will grab the cameras maybe I had in September. So that's, so it's not like a, uh, I don't have the time to, but the years on top of years, hunting those areas, you learn. You know, so that's why I said I'm kind of in a rut with that air, with uh, in place, but still I don't spend a lot of time there. Yeah. But I do um, have some good areas that are hard to access and stuff like that that usually hold good deer. So it's, yeah, I just kind of September and then um, maybe I'll get down there once in October. Um, and then just folk, and then I also like to get in there, try to get in there um, late season if there's a good mast. Um, or maybe like I'll try to get in there a gun day, uh, shotgun one or two days. But I, I do like late season muzzle loader um, in line. Seems like the deer do calm down a little bit if, if the hunt pressure is you know um, not too bad. Uh, you got a good chance. So. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you had also mentioned your Iowa trip, and and um, you said that's a late season tag you've been you've been pursuing. Now that drives significantly further. So do you find that one just being a hey, I'm gonna go hunt it for four, five, maybe seven day trip? Like I guess because Ohio's like in that three, four hour range. Um, yeah you you can bounce the back and forth a touch more than say your your iowa stuff that you that's a haul for you you're you're even east of me yeah that's about 12 hours but no i go out there and get cameras anymore i let cameras soak before i get out there because i do want to know i, I kind of want to know what's going on and what deer are left from the pressure the hunting and if there is pressure the pressure or um, what was killed off but i do definitely anymore I like knowing what's going on in the area than getting out there and 
hoping there's a good deer left. Now, if there's snow on the ground, I could look for tracks. But so this year or in the previous years, I'd, go, I'd run out, I'd make like a, a three-day trip to Iowa and I would, and I would drive 12 hours. And when would you do that? As far as June or July? No, no, no. I would do it in December. Okay. Kind of their gun season was like, you know. And I look at all the dates when the gun hunters, when the guys are going to be in the woods. I think I went this year, right before their gun season, or they had two gun seasons in between the gun seasons, which was like um, maybe around the twentieth of December. So I drove out the last day of their one gun season, and the next day I just um, picked. I think about six spots that I wanted to hang approximately two cameras each. So I had about 12, 13, give or take cameras. And I left them there. And because here's another thing, you know, my hunt was only going to be a week in January. I think I had seven or eight days. Okay. So you drove out there mid, mid December based on their, their gun season wrapping up scattered a uh, dozen cameras which that's that's a full-blown day and that's yeah. that's a lot of miles in a day a lot sure. of work yeah and then drove back home did you stay overnight and rest or you just yeah, i have uh, i have friends there so what i did i got there i think i would leave it was a 12 hour it's an all-day drive and in the, in the past i used to be pretty crazy i'd drive at night but that's when i hunted a lot i said man i don't want to be driving during the daytime because I could be hunting, you know, but now I'm getting older and I'm slowing down, but I would drive when it was dark or I would, I would leave at like dark and I would drive to about midnight one. Then I catch three or four hours of sleep and I, you know, I'd get there, you know, or wherever I was going, I tried like driving in the morning. Then I said, man, I still got, um, forenoon. I could hunt the afternoon, but I would, I could go with like three or four hours of sleep one, you know, one night, you know what I mean? But then that night I would catch up, but I was pretty crazy. I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss being in the woods, but nowadays I, I'm like, I'm getting older, but I would, I would drive like now I would drive out 12 hours, um, pretty much right through. And I would get to my friend's house. So I, I got there in the evening. I'm, I think I threw up one or two cameras and then, uh, in an area, then staying the next day was just hitting the woods, hitting, um, you know, and before I went out there, I had maps and spots that I wanted to check and, um, threw a pile of cameras up. So it was a whole day getting them cameras out and then I would, you know, sleep that night and drive home the next day. Okay. And then you went back out and hunted during their muzzleloader season. Cause they've got a touch longer muzzleloader season and it, it falls there in January. So first day out in January, I assume you, the biggest to-do list was uh, take your muzzleloader, go walk from, and check them cameras and, and yeah. then make a plan. That's what I did. I got there. I think when I got there it was maybe two hours of light left and I, uh, I went and grabbed two cameras and actually the one spot that I really liked after I got them two cameras and it were like, like I planned out the places. I didn't just Rambo through the areas that um, I guess maybe the two cameras I got were some, some a place that I can get in and out. Maybe the wind was right, you know, and cause that, I mean, that's when they're calming back down and I don't want to be disturbed. They're there for a reason, you know, the pressure is not there. So I would grab them too. And I remember I grabbed two cameras and I can't remember what was on them. Um, I, I think it was a couple of decent buck in there. And so I went to a spot that I was pretty sure I was going to hunt. And I had two cameras there. Two, I think I had three cameras there. And I waited till after dark to go in and get them just because um, I just feel like if you're, you're, your presence in the woods at nighttime um, doesn't have a huge effect on deer. They kind of maybe it's a coon hunter just... I've walked up on many a deer at night. Oh, yeah. Me too. You know, it's dark enough. 
So I did. That's what I did. I got there uh, that first night and I grabbed them two. And then where I had the three, I grabbed them and I actually took a um, stand in there and hung it that night, you know, and I actually got there the next morning and hunted. But, um, but the whole time it's, uh, you know, when I only have seven days to hunt, you know, and I'm hunting, I think the zone I had was like five counties and it's really like, don't give too uh, much detail away. <laughs> yeah. So there's like five counties, maybe six, eight, maybe four. 25. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, it's really, a uh, you got to really prioritize your time and where your odds are the best. So it's like a crunch time. Where's, where's my best odds and use all the tools you have. So, um, and what they had was an ice storm that came in. It would just really kind of covered up all the mass that I was hoping was going to be there. So that made it really difficult. And it was a weird east wind came in, and that was tough. It just, all my spots were kind of dependent on our north or west, southwest wind. But um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a difficult hunt just because of the conditions that I was dealt with, you know, in, in the yeah. time. And I did have my bow back on a good, maybe 135, 140-inch 10. And, but, you know, I, I was hunting on a muzzleloader ta uh, inline tag with my bow. But, but I, if I had my inline, I could have, you know, I kicked. I don't kick myself. It is what it is. I wanted to shoot home the bow. But uh, yeah, if I had an inline, I, you know, I would have had them. So, so let, me, let me back up before we kind of proceed with maybe some of the, uh, oh, the pursuits or your oh, tactics for, for doing this. But, uh Johnny, why do you think it's important to hunt out of state or why did you start hunting out of state? Um, me, myself, I started hunting out of state. One, I, I started being able to tag out here in Ohio and we're mm. one buck state. And two, I kick myself because when I was mid to early 20s and, and hadn't killed a lot of bucks, I was trying to, to jump that ladder and I let go a couple bucks that, that if I didn't just thought about, man, I could go to the next state over three-ish hours away I would have shot that deer and you always learn you know at that time in my career I would have learned something from being able to close that final 10 seconds on a buck but what why what made you start wanting to hunt out of state talk to me about that I think when we were younger uh, you know probably teens in the 20s uh, we um, Pennsylvania where we lived we we would travel north to the the, the mountains they called it you know that, that's where everybody would go for rifle hunting and deer up there weren't big then you know they were uh, was a, they were numerous and they were small deer, uh, not much food, but that's another topic. Um, so we would just hunt where we knew, where we grew up, and, and everybody around the area hunted the same land, you know, it was just maybe consult property or local farmers, just let anybody shoot deer. So, um, and, you know, we would read the hunt magazines and learn about the Midwest and different states and Ohio, and you're like, man, I got to get to these other states where these bigger bucks are, because I mean, we were shooting two-year-olds, um, little yearling. A two-year-old was a big deer. You know, they just put a hurting on them where I grew up. And so mm -hmm. we actually started, but we also liked killing deer. So, and I say everybody should go through that stage where you get some kills on your belt to get experienced with, you know, killing deer. So um, we started going to West Virginia, and that was a two-buck state. We were allowed to get our, our rifle tag and get two bucks, so we would hunt here and, you know, maybe get done here or vice versa, get down West Virginia and hunt in PA. So that's where we started hunting out of state and just seeing different, you know, when you grow up and you, you live in this, this bubble, you see what you know about hunting and just, there's other stuff out there that fascinated us. So yeah, we went to the mountains of West Virginia. Then, um, you know, we would, 
hit uh, Ohio and just um, we, we would start um, going further west, I think maybe in the mid 20s. And I remember the first time we went to Iowa, we thought there was like a 150 inch deer behind every tree. You know, oh, just, yeah. you read these magazine articles, you see these pictures, and like that's all it's in Iowa is 150 inch deer. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all. It's going to be easy. Needless to say, I probably shot a deer old on that trip or a yearling, but, uh, you know, that's where we started. But like you said, you can, you got to, I don't want to stop hunting. And, and now that I'm only hunting three states, um, I could stay in these three states and, and like, and I would, like you said, jump around. I wouldn't maybe not tag one or not shoot one, pass one, but hit Ohio a little bit in a lot of years. I mean, in my last five years, I know, when I met Bo Martonic, he told me, he said, man, John, I thought you were this big hunter. You got all these deer in there. Well, you tell me all these stories. He said, I've known you for a few years. Now you even killed a deer. I said, well, I said, um, I'm not shooting everything now. I, I've done, I've done that and I'm kind of being particular. And you know what? I think I just love learning about the deer and experiencing the whole season and how it changes and how they adapt and the pressure and the food and the breeding are so much I mean, I'm talking like days within a day from, you know, any day that a buck will change his habitat, you know, whether it's breeding or pressure or, or what it is. And it's just, I, I'll follow these deer. I usually pick certain deer and follow them throughout their life, you know, and that's, that's where I'm at right now is just learning more and more about them and understanding them. And, and, um, and it doesn't always it's not always about killing you know i like i like seeing other people have success and that's what my uh my fiance says he's like you get these other people deer you put them on all these other deer when you gonna shoot one i said i don't want i, I don't i just want to keep hunting you know yeah i've heard I'm you like, say that I've i heard like i like seeing other people enjoy that success because i you know and it's great to have you know and and i've got like and then like when bo got his deer i helped him you know when he got that deer this year and, and it was like what was that as you know and other people said aren't you mad Bo shot your deer i said hey that's one less deer i got to worry about yeah it's like okay that one's done i can move on i got enough because that's where i'm so into scouting and learning different areas that i have in the, my back pocket i can go i have tons of good spots but that's what i enjoy doing that's why and that's why i have so many good spots because i'm in the woods through the whole season i know what deer i'm still hunting the deer that made it in january i know they're around and you know i got still got cameras out running so that's where that's where i'm at is just learning because when i grew up it was uh you read the magazine articles about the iowa deer and the midwest people that pretty much wrote these articles weren't hunting this typical deer that i grew up hunting and so i would l learn from them and it kind of wasn't the right tactic so i just kind of abandoned yeah. on stuff like that and i just went on my own uh, probably in my mid twenties, early twenties, and just learn from them animals, spend as much time. And that was before Google maps. And I remember I would just walk grids through the woods, you know, maybe not huge pieces of woods till I had a mental map in my head before Google maps. And I could like, okay, I remember where this tree's down. I know where this, is, and I just, and I could almost get to the point. So even now, like when I go through the woods, um, I mean, I barely need uh, GPS and I don't use bright eyes cause I know, I, I could feel my way through the woods with just a little flashlight. You what, know, what about in the dark in the big hills? Um, really, I'm pretty good with that barn. I, I think uh, 
you, you, you mean to tell me you've never been on that point and oh I'm, I'm gonna take this oh. beer down to the left and then you look at your map and you're you you went down too soon and now you got to climb elevation well this year this is a great one so i had this long draw it was in ohio before. i think it was about an hour hike up this draw and uh so it was pretty rugged it was it come this draw came down so it was just like this whole little creek so i was walking along the draw um it was kind of flat and then it got tighter it got steeper you know so i was walking along the draw you know to the left side of the draw yep and then here i didn't know that ditch went two ways so i was <laughs> on the left side right so i just jumped down in the in the ditch in the ravine or in the draw whatever you want to call it and i'm following it here i'm and i'm hiking up in there so basically i went left you know and i was 400 yards and i get up and i'm like something ain't right here <laughs> like i'm the man i'm walking up here with my little flashlight i just gotta follow it and then when it peters out i stands just to the left and i'm and i'm following this up and i'm like where the hell am i and then and then i had to walk cross country and that's why i was using that draw because i wasn't spooking deer i was just sneaking up there you know but it was a long i come out on this way up on this ridge and i'm like oh man and then you start looking your phone like and you're like all confused like you know what you're doing you know like no this ain't right my phone ain't right <laughs> oh yeah i've I've had that conversation uh yeah, pull, out the, so, pull out the I'm, compass app to verify north is yeah. north and on x isn't lying to me um, yeah so i was sweating bullets and i had to walk the whole ridge where the deer you know i walked where all the deer were going to come from you know because i was you know, I was playing the wind a little bit, so I was to the to the west, and I had to walk all the way, to, and it was just like wearing. And you know, the the leaf litter was six eight inches thick, dead calm, just just sound like a bull in a china closet coming through there. You know, I sat there all day. I didn't see a damn deer. I did see no, I did. I seen a good eight, probably one hundred twenties class deer, but um, it wasn't the one I was after. But yeah, so. Okay. So, so, so you've had that too. Uh, I, hey, that was the that was, I got up at Ravine. I'm like, yeah. and I got near the top. I said, something's looking right. I hunted there the night before in the morning before things kind of. I mean, I, I remember this one spot, maybe as a branch broke or something. It was a big log I had to cross. I said, no, cross. Most of the top, something ain't right, you know. And it, yeah. It, so, sometimes know, I get the, uh, I get panicky where I know I'm getting to like a point or, or elevation and I pull the phone out like every like 20 yards. Cause I don't want to turn and like lose elevation or, or yeah, make a yeah. wrong turn and, you know, just laid foot traffic where I don't want to do that. I, 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 I thought that was funny or, or worth mentioning there. So let me ask this. Um, we talked about kind of two different scenarios and this was a personal question. I thought I wanted to ask you if a guy's going to buy one out of state tag, what do you think is the better experience for putting bucks down hunting a place that's three-ish hours away that has good hunting um or hunting a place that's like five seven eight in your case i was 12 but i mean the further west you go i mean it it gets better it gets better i mean uh I think there's so many states now, Byron, with public, you know, I'm talking mainly public land. There's so many states I see good deer and people killing good deer on public land. So I don't know if they're, I don't, and people always ask me, what's your favorite state to hunt? I said, it's whatever state I'm in. You know, if I don't have a, sometimes in Ohio, I'm in, I just want to be here. Then I'll go to Ohio or wherever. I guess it's awesome. 
it's just hunting deer. And actually, you know, I was thinking Iowa, they had a bad EHD problem and the deer numbers are down and, and a lot of people won't gravitating toward Iowa. And, you know, I've hunted there years now and I'm not seeing, that's the area I'm hunting. I'm not, you know, I'm just talking from my bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, the deer numbers. And, and if I, the effort that I put in at seven, eight days, I think if I was hunting PA or Ohio, I probably would have tagged a deer because I was kind of closer to home, know a little more about people. Yeah. Do you find yourself like a little more dialed in on your Ohio hunts because you can either scout it in the off season more, or you can uh, bounce over there on a, on a three day weekend hunt. It's not as much of a commitment. Do you I feel think, more uh, dangerous in Ohio than say PA because PA is all it is is my closest. It's two and a half hours to one. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, that is that's where I can get up there in the summer, you know, a few times, and I I spend a lot of it's my closest. So that's that's where I feel the best. Um, is it the best um, place for me to get a mature deer? I don't know, but I feel like I have more time to put in there you know, to where, and then as I go west, it, get, it drops off to where Ohio, I don't make as much time out there. And then, you know, as you go further, you know, you don't, you don't have the time to put in out there. So like when I went to Iowa, I spent all that time, that seven days, and I put all my effort into that. And, and I only had like two days in PA late season, then I went there, then, and granted my, you know, I do know a lot about PA, but you figure after gun season, things, the dynamics change where the deer are living or the, what deer are alive. So I had like two days in PA, then I went all the way to Iowa and I spent all that time there. And because, you know, I drew that tag, so I put all my effort in there. But when I got back to PA, you know, I only had another two, three days. And I'm like, man, if I put all that effort in. But yeah, so the further you go, um, it's just tougher because you don't know that much about what's going on, what deer are left. And that's, I always say, like, I want to know what's going on. I'd rather know what's going on in, in the area I'm hunting than not knowing and hoping. I don't like, I don't like to hope about anything, you know, whether it's in life or like, I like to know, you know, and uh, so like, even with deer hunting or even like deer, like I I try to, I learn from them animals, the deer, and I'm kind of like, the same as them you know kind of become them and learn about them but um they don't take chances they don't hope like a big mature deer doesn't hope and i hope the deer hunting pressure is not too bad this year because i'm just going to do what the rest of the herd does no they don't do that they don't hope they know what the pressure is they know there's hunters out there they know they're not taking chances mm-hmm. so i'm kind of the same way and and how i but not saying that's the best way I mean, you could go out and just be happy to be in the woods. Maybe it's how I'm um, geared, uh, but you could be be happy to be out and be in the woods and and um, and know it's a good spot. And that that's you know, there's someone seen deer there and just sit in the same tree every day and kill mature deer. You know, yeah. But that's what I say. Where I'm at now is I, I like knowing and learning about because that's that's what um, stimulates my brain is going out there and learning and putting all the pieces of the puzzle together whether it's killing a deer or not it doesn't matter and 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 i don't always i it's like and it's that balance scale i I talk to people you got this balance scale you know people say well you you said this at one point then you said the complete opposite i said well yeah sometimes that how that's how it is you know you might do this 
a lot here in this situation, but it might be the complete opposite thing you're going to do in another in in another situation. So, uh, and with, with deer hunting, that's cool. It's, it's not black and white. You got all these tools in your toolbox, and you know you want to use a certain amount uh, here, but in another situation, that might not even work. You know, so that's where I'm at. But I, as far as some hunters just believing in one tree stand and knowing that there's some good deer, whether they put cameras in or, or not, and just might sit there. And so the place in Iowa that I hung at stand that morning, I told myself if I sat here for seven days, I would shoot a deer. Yeah. And, um, do you, think, do you think a guy who's, 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 oh, let's call it into deer hunting, doing this DIY thing. Do you think he should buy a tag? Um, start of the season or wait to for him to tag out in his home state and then maybe make a educated choice of hey i've only got three weeks left i'm going to go to the the closer state or hey i killed a buck october 20th here in ohio i can go hunt a really good state maybe a uh you know um now an iowa or illinois obviously iowa you got the draw system but but you know would i would i maybe head to illinois because it's a little bit more dreamed about state i i would think you know what do you think do you buy a tag before season make plans or do you wait to kill in your home state what, what's your thoughts on that that's a good question Martin. I, I think like after this year i was really uh and my time to hunt was wasn't what it used to be and so i already bought the tag well i had the iowa tag and i already i, I pressured myself too much into getting it done here in pa that uh I was impatient and trying to get to Ohio and then thinking, oh, maybe I can add another state in and, and it just screwed me up. So maybe it is better that someone would just kind of scout these, scout these other states and maybe do hang cameras and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe just get that one state done, done with. Then you're not uh, impatient and in, in, um, moving or whatever. And, forcing yourself you force anything in life i believe it don't work you know yeah. it happen but um that's probably a good choice as to, you know whether i was a little different as far as I, I i know majority of the iowa tags it's a draw system um but if some guy was centrally located and maybe he lives in michigan and he's debating on hunting indiana ohio or or i don't know um minnesota or whatever dizzy dizzy learn minnesota ground and he's like that's my out-of-state spot um do you, do you think it's it's valuable to kind of pick one destination or, or kind of maybe be flexible and have two yeah if you've got the time if you can hit two but i think if you just would get your home state and, and then study that that other place yeah. you know whatever state it might be just to learn and study maps and maybe if you just do a summertime scout or maybe like a shed season deal and you might have that, you know, have that opportunity to buy if it's an over counter, you know, state. Yeah. What are know? some good factors? Like if you look to make a, an out of state trip and we can speak in generalities, I don't want you to give away information on your specific spots, but if you were going to go to a, a, a new state or a neighboring state, what would you look for as far as a piece of ground or um, does stuff stick out to you on maps that you like? Do you, I don't know, do you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, I think when I'm when I'm thinking about an out of state, like I said, there's a lot of states now that um, have good deer, mature deer on public ground, and like I would take the map and find a a hard to hard to reach, hard to access 
mm-hmm. you know, spot. And I feel like there's three things that help the deer survive. So they have to, the deer you you want to go after has to live there, you know, and, and I mean, if you're just going for meat hunting, then, you know, most states, you don't have to do much research as far as, sure. you know, finding a, a mature animal. But I feel like there's a few things that help the deer survive that I look for would be like something that's like inaccessibility, like something that can't be accessed, whether it's, you know, a lake or whatever, but, um, and then that'll help the deer survive and then definitely cover. There's got to be cover for them to get away because on this public land, there's hunting pressure. And then even they could utilize terrain to get away, you know, some places in Ohio and, and, and West Virginia, I've been to where it is rugged and that's how they utilize those, you know, whether I call them a whoop do just kind of up and down, or even in Iowa, I've seen it in the Midwest, just the hills go up and down like this and, they'll just lay on a point and then you come up one ditch or whatever and they can, they'll just use the terrain. So yeah. I look for them, them few things, you know, but usually it's, it's, it's the cover and, and something that's inaccessible, you know, maybe it's a, and that's why I stick to like November hunts because it's usually a, a, a tough hike to get to the area, you know, and that's where the, the deer um, are going to be because they're going to, that's where the hunters aren't. So that's kind of when I pull up a map, I'll look, but, Nowadays, and I've, I've been talking lately on some podcasts, how people um, are getting good at reading maps and finding yeah, where deer yeah. are, and they're getting to them in accessible spots and they're passing up these. So these deer can, these deer start to feel where the pressure is and they'll adjust their life accordingly. But, you know, you get people reading these maps and even this year, a place I hunted, I experienced uh, a scenario like this to where the people were going back in, you know, it's a, yeah. Now, you know, and, and the deer are closer. You know, they're not, they're not, they know because people are out in that area, so they can kind of, so yeah, you, and I just get to, we're hunting people, where are the humans, you know. Yeah. Is, is e scouting kind of that thought? Is, I almost sometimes think it might be a touch overrated because, uh, if I say this saddle is the best saddle on this map out of this, this particular acreage, well, everybody can see that that saddles the best. You know, I, I, I am finding myself at least in the home state. And even now I've, I've hunted a uh, three or four out of state whitetail trips. It's like, I, I don't spend a tremendous amount of time East County. I look at maps. Sure. Yeah. But, but it's not as much, um, as a guy might think. Um, now if I got trail cam picks and stand locations on a specific buck, sure. I stare at the map like everybody else, but I'm yeah. saying when I go out of state, I, I kind of like the boots to ground method and yeah, find out what's going them. on. Yeah, I do study those maps and learn them, but, but definitely you got to have the, that's a good point, the boots on the ground, because um, if you might see that saddle, you might see that oak flat, and it's like, man, that looks good, but um, Joe Schmo, whoever, might yeah. be saying the same thing. You and, and I could probably drop the same pins yeah. if we looked at the, uh, a thousand acre chunk. You're um, right, and so people are doing that, and it's kind of like, Sometimes when I get to that spot, you know, and it with the boots on the ground, sometimes it looks good, but I don't know. And that's the thing. That's the unknown variable when you're hunting public land is what is, you can't just go by sign. You know, there could be big rubs, scrapes on that ridge, man, this is awesome. But there might be a guy hunting there every day, you know, so I, you know, that's, that's what you got to learn about the area. What's, what's the pressure like? What's that? you know, you, that's the unknown that you have to find when you're hunting this public land. So 
you get out there with your boots on the ground and usually it's hanging cameras whether you hang them up in a tree or what see if guys are coming by see see if you got so here's a make it real simple that you're hunting deer during the daylight you're not hunting them in the dark so are they coming through during the daylight you know what i mean yeah. and that, that's you know that's a hey deer are moving here in daylight well hey man it's 140 inch deer chances are the pressure ain't too bad here or maybe yeah. it's not also maybe it's when you know maybe maybe everybody's hunting that ridge or that saddle in november maybe uh late september into october he might be walking all over there and laying or laying up there and living up there you know but it's hard to get that time to hunt i think when most people wait for a rut but that's why i'd like to start getting into october hunting where like you know you know they're still up there feeding and they haven't moved out to maybe wherever their honey hole is and they get away from hunting pressure but definitely to, yeah boots on the ground and and it's not always that and it's it's the inaccessible stuff the terrain the rugged the steep like a horse's face steep straight up and down that's where sometimes it's the most tore up they don't come up on them ridges till nighttime because nobody's going there and they want to survive and they know no one's there and it's just finding you know no one where the hunters are you know no no and just knowing what's happening yeah so johnny with hunting out of state and and obviously even when you go hunt pa you've got a solid drive on your mm -hmm. hands uh, driving and being able to knock out drives, that's, that's an aspect to, to doing this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, and I, uh, so, so you got any tips or tricks or thoughts? You know what? The last few, you know, I don't even turn some, sometimes I'll get the radio off YouTube or Pandora I'll play some music, but sometimes it's such a zone. And like, if I'm going on that long trip to Iowa, I think there's a few times I made them long trips. But I was just so focused like a fighter going in a ring, you know, I mean, you're just laser focused, you know, you're out. What am I going to do when I get there? I'm playing scenarios out in my head. What if, what if someone's hunting there? What if this, uh, maybe I should go check, check this, you know, camera at night. I don't want to bump this deer. So I'm playing out all these scenarios and what's my, you know, you got to find the odds. You got to find the angle on these deer and what's your best chance of getting them. So there's times I wouldn't, I'm just so focused on playing scenarios out. Maybe I'll get this camera. Or it, yeah. Sometimes I'm just such in a, in a in a zone that i don't i just um you uh do you, about do you, what i'm gonna do when i get there the whole ride you know yeah are you a coffee guy a pop well, guy yeah. yeah definitely definitely coffee you know? okay okay caffeine. you know maybe a, i've been drinking me the uh every once in a while give me a monster or something you know okay get that in you yeah yeah i always I uh, have one I, with you in case in case you need that you keep stripping off yeah. And now I find it easier myself, um, though, if to wake up and drive in the morning half of the day or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm not somebody that probably would do well driving, say, nine to midnight to another state. I would rather wake up at uh, one, two in the morning and drive and get there for sunrise. Yeah, that's what I've been doing lately, Byron. I'd get up early or, you know, I'm getting older, maybe four or five. But I know when I was younger, I would hunt all these different states and I wouldn't want to miss any daylight activity as much as I could, whatever state I was in, because I was hunting a lot of states and I would, I would leave it like dark, you know, that time of November, five o'clock, it gets dark. I could do five hours. You know, I'm like, damn, if I'm going 10, 12 hours, I'm halfway there. So then I'll pass out for four hours and I'll do like a early daylight morning. Cause that's just usually when you get up, you know, yeah. and I drive another thing. I'm like, man, I, I damn near got noon, noon till I got five hours to hunt, you know, so yeah. But nowadays, yeah, I just, I get up in the morning and I get, get cruising, you know, but definitely you got to have some caffeine, you know, and, 
I also, uh, I also believe, uh, I even do this here in my home state where maybe I, I have an evening hunt and I got to drive home a bit. Uh, I don't get food until I'm close to my destination because right. when you, when you eat that big sandwich or, or whatever, yeah. you get food and you, uh, I think it's like two thirds of the blood in your body goes to your stomach and you get the sleepies. Oh so, yeah, that's right. You're right. I, or if you do, if you get sleepy, sometimes, sometimes there's many times I've pulled over even it was like 20 minutes. Yeah. Where a cop one time come up to me. There was a lady called. She said, what are you doing? I had that was like just kind of bring my living in my Jeep, you know. She come up to me. What are you doing? I said, I couldn't drive anymore. I was tired, man. I had to sleep. She like glass. She's like, okay, good. You know, so like, but yeah, if you got to pull over, it seems like 15, 20 minutes, you're good. But once you start eating, yeah, you're done for. Turn that heat on, and you're like, so yeah, we just keep that caffeine flowing until you get uh, maybe yeah. a little snack yeah. or something, some peanuts or something. Yeah. That'll, <laughs> That'll kill you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm used to, when I'm when I'm doing that, I'm not eating good anyways. I mean, because it's like I don't even think about eating. That's like the last thing I'm worried about. You know, I'm worried about killing a deer, and it's like I eat gar. I just stop and get whatever I can, and I'll be hunting, and I'm just like, man, you're this is terrible on your body because you're just eating trash. You know, <laughs> and staying up and hunting. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what is uh, what is the vehicle uh, they, they that you you take on these trips or whatever? I I came from having a uh, Ranger just after college and finally got a, a full size truck with actual cruise control, and that yeah. made a world of difference in, in these long drives as far as being able to cruise in that big cab. Man, it's like oh, that's, yeah, yeah, that's what you need. Uh, I used to have a Jeep Cherokee that I damn near lived out, and it was okay. I had a couple old ones. I think I drove one time to Montana and people like, you're going out to me? Yeah, I'm good. What if it breaks down? I said, well, I'll worry about that when it happens. But I had a good down bag. A lot of times I just crawl in the back and sleep. But I do now have a, just a Jeep Patriot. It's like my hunting ride, you know? Yeah, I know another guy who likes some of those mid-sized Jeeps for, for hunting rides. You just fold a back seat down and actually now it's loaded with all my gear. I haven't even unloaded. I just get back and get straight to work. So good on gas, you know? Um, it's four-wheel drive. It's not like I'm going off-road and that, you know, I, I kind of, you know, it's kind of pretty simple, you know what Do I mean? Do you got a, any of the roof racks or a hitch hauler? I don't. I, I used to have, I guess I ain't killing enough gear. I used to have the receiver with the, you know, the thing on the back for your gear. Yeah. But that hitch hauler's nice. These states now anymore, you have to cut them up before you do anything with them. I'd throw them on a roof or like now, like, like if I go like, Usually, I'm going where I know people anymore. You know what I mean? Okay. I know people and I can get it, you know, processed or that, whatever. But yeah, I used to have that, you know, back in the day when you were allowed to go out of state and bring your deer all the way across the country. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, you know, you can't do that. So yeah, I would recommend uh, one of those hitch haulers. It, those are kind of nice for a guy who maybe has a slightly smaller vehicle. Because um, yeah. you could put like a big cooler or a couple bins on the back and really maximize your vehicle space. Three stands and stuff. Yeah, I used to have them. I used them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think the yeah. aluminum ones are are a bit like $50 more, but I kind of yeah. think they're a lot easier to get in the hitch. I have the steel one. It's huge and heavy. I yeah. kind of wish I'd have spent the $50 more and got the aluminum one. Yeah. Yeah. Them are definitely, they definitely help out. But yeah, I just got a Heat Patriot. It's old. It's, I'm probably due for a new one. I keep saying I get one more year, but I just put the back seat down and I load everything in. And there's times if I get a deer, I'll just, you know, I'll just drag it inside. I got a, a piece of, uh, you know, a tarp. I'll just yeah. lay down. And actually what I did, I think the one time I took the 
my spare tire, you put the hatch up and the spare tire's down in there. I think I took the spare tire out and the deer fell right down in there. And I Yeah, kind of a little sinkhole out. effect. Yeah, it worked out pretty good. And, you know, and it's not nothing that I'm really uh, an old, older vehicle or a cheaper vehicle to where if it gets messed up, it gets bloody. It's, that's, what it, that's what I use it for. Now, do you have buddies that come with you to Ohio, or is that only a solo mission? No, I got a couple guys I hunt with down there. I actually got a place. We've talked about that barn, uh, I think about eight years ago, me and my buddy bought a little hunting camp down there, and, you know, we got about four or five guys that, you know, visit it, you know, throughout the year and hunt, so it's pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah anymore now that I'm older, like, I got a place there in Ohio, and my friend's got a place in Iowa, and... Um, I have a place in Northern PA. I'm, so anymore, I'm kind of getting older and I got all these places I go, I got places to stay, you know. Yeah, but you did this, you, you know, you had mentioned uh, a little bit ago, you used to sleep in the back, down bag. Mm-hmm. Any other uh, tips or thoughts for a guy that's going to do this uh, that, that may be sleeping in his vehicle a night or two or camping? Yeah, you know what I tell you to do is get yourself a notebook and write down all your experiences because one day, you want to look back on that and all the stupid stuff you did, but that made you who you were. And like, I didn't do it. And I, I think, you know, people tell me, what about the, at this year? And then it comes back to me. I wish I, I'm talking 20, you know, 30 years. Of, of, and it's like, man, I wish I could have wrote this all down. And, you know, that was before I really had, you know, cell phones and stuff like that. And I did all that, but you know, yeah, I ain't got no real tips, you know, just make sure, uh, you know, the biggest thing is uh, trying to get your clothes sent free all the time. And, you know, nowadays, you know, you got these, um, this, this, the crusher, all this ozone stuff that I still not really fanatic about. I don't really even look into it. So I remember there's years I would go and I'd leave with a, my clothes all sent free. And it's, it's not my hunting out, outer layer, my base layer. It, it touches your skin, even though it's wool in that you know, it, after a while, you get some stench on it and you sweat. So them are the things I had issues with when I wouldn't be home. And you, you go to a laundromat to try to wash your clothes and you might as well just not even hunt after that because it smells like fabric softener. You yeah. know I mean? So I had issues with that. And, and um, I think the one time I found a pond somewhere or a creek and I tried washing my shit you yeah, know, hanging it, and and I did that the one time, and the one time actually, Byron, you'll love this one. I went to the um, I went to the laundromat because I haven't been, home, I wasn't home in a long time, and I said, man, and it, every I smelled every washer in there, and it smelled like fabric softener, you know, and it was probably twenty degrees, it was gin, it was cold, you know, everything's frozen. I said, I need to wash my clothes, so I um. I dumped a little dough and heat in the old washer. You know? No, you didn't. <laughs> I said, maybe that'll help the smell. And I had some, I think I had some walnuts or something, you know, I found and some leaves or something. So I dumped them, dumped a little concoction in there. Oh. <laughs> and so the, the one guy come in and he's like, wow, you must work at the sale barn. Your stuff really stinks. <laughs> you know, he thought I was, you know, Smelled like some cattle or pigs or something, you know. Oh so, my gosh! I don't think that it worked. That fabric softener was so powerful. And then the one time, my friend. So I don't know if I washed it in a creek or something. But my friends that I got to know out there in Iowa had pigs. I said, I'm just gonna, you know what? I'm just gonna go hang it down by the pig. But yeah, your clothes smell like a pig. 
that wasn't the best thing either because I went. It was so powerful, yeah. like pig shit. Now it was almost. I put it like on a downwind side of him, and it just like oh, I can't even. Man, that wasn't the best thing to do. I'm like a little bit of pig scent, might you know, it might help, you know, but it was so powerful. I remember getting up in a tree, and his doe was just like looked up at me like <laughs> in the tree, and she snorted. Maybe it wasn't me that she, that maybe the, you know, I feel like their they their association with you know they're just maybe she smelled a big horn, but she's like what are you doing? she didn't like it, so she took off. So I think the biggest thing is trying to keep your stuff scent free. I mean. The stuff they have now that ozone, I don't know, you know, but I would always get to the point where I had enough base layers that I could, you know, go for a couple of weeks and then before I can um, get them cleaned up or whatever, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. The, um, that, that might be a, a kind of a gear item that, that is different if you say if you're going up to your, your camp there in PA versus mm-hmm. coming out of state that you're a little farther from home. Does, does the gear they – your pursuit does it change at all do you do you bring say two or three stands if you're going out of state does does it look different in any way from a gear aspect if you come to ohio or iowa compared to pa um i know like in the midwest the trees aren't as straight so i've been using uh, lone wolf custom gear i've been uh, packing i've been familiar with them um i've used uh, climbers for for a long time lone wolf climbers and um got used to them but um like in the midwest they don't always work because the trees aren't they go crazy you know but here on the eastern side um but i would always take like two lock-ons and a climber and and uh that's about all you know what i mean um, yeah. you don't have you know if the lock-on small enough you can pack it in you know or maybe there are a straight tree that you can kind of leave your climber in but um make sure i just make sure i have extra 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 clothes like i have bags bag of clothes because you know, it might, might get wet, you know, it might be a two, three day rain that you can't yeah. drive stuff. And, you know, that rain gear only works so much. I like wearing wool, you know, um, have a few pairs of everything, you know, and like I said, even for the scent, um, hats, I try to wear wool hats, you know, I, always, mean, I, I, I like I'm, a wool just with the sun. Sometimes that sun goes down and you can't, so I find wool hats that are Sometimes your head gets itchy, but it's all wool, you know, keeps the scent down. I don't know where I've gotten them, but I, I got a couple of those, you know, you, I keep keep wool, wool. Yeah, do you have a recommendation on some of the, the wool base layers that you like or whatever? I know I've bought a, I have a Badlands, it's like a quarter zip. It's like 200-ish grain or 200 gram. It's it's a little warmer. And then I bought a Black Ovis one off Camo Fire five, mm-hmm. ten year, or five six years ago um it's like 150 weight and for the money i actually really like it i've uh i've got a few uh, first light products here in the last couple of years i like their 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 base layer and it has actual a hood on it i like having a okay. hood and it's just a wool and it kind of to me um holds your sand in a little bit you know it has the thumb holes i got a few of those um i use them a lot um usually maybe a down i like putting down some type of down in my uh, pack that's uh, just light, you know, but I make sure when I put that down on, I sometimes I like to get more stuff on top of it, like a heavier coat, because that stuff, you know, sometimes them, them down vests kind of have a noise to them, and I've, I've had deer kind of look, and you try to move and turn your head, you, you know, that's uh, that's an issue I, I've had recently, so I try to get some more clothes on top of it, but um, yeah, that's, that's try to keep, um, keep some wool definitely close to the skin but even 
I always usually wear wool pants. Okay. Was walking. Um, I, I usually maybe if it's raining, I'll maybe put a raincoat on, but I usually just wear the wool pants, you know, to keep you warm. Wouldn't have enough. But I always use usually use suspenders. Yeah, I like the maybe when they get wet, you know. But definitely, uh, and as far as uh, like rubber boots, I'll wear the you know rubber boots, but I always pull my wool pants down over because just walking, trying to get into your spot. A lot of times, you hunt in places that these big mature deer are and sometimes you got to take chances getting into where they're at it's hard they have so much in their favor their odds are in their favor and, and you got to kind of get in on them and so i mean you got to be it's always a chance you take that's why i have so many places to hunt is because getting into that location you might blow them out of there you know you don't know so uh, i try to you know get them little pants and you can sneak a little better toward them you know a lot of this stuff they say it's quiet material you know even these name brands um but soon as i just take a branch or you rub it against a tree you know with your arm it's like uh there's no yeah, so i kind of cool. stick the wool definitely for my pants and even um so i i i've had a first light was one of their quiet jackets and i wasn't too happy with it you know just it still had a noise to it. when you go in a store and it's loud and that or if you try it on or wherever you're at but once you get out in that dead quiet, it's like it's a whole different game. So yeah, I got a yeah, I got a what you call this year the um, um, Sitka, and it's like the Berber fleece one to yeah, wear. Yeah, fanatic stuff. The fanatic, I that thing's pretty sick. I I really like that. You know, yeah, it's just really quiet. So and that's a big thing when you're up. They they can hear so good, and you get some of them calm days, frosty days, man. It's 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 a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think to wrap this podcast up, I think uh, you're a story guy, um, you're a tactic guy. If you could maybe walk us through an out-of-state buck kill, um, and, and 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 something that sticks out to you, maybe a lesson learned, maybe a cool encounter. Um, I don't know. I think that'd be a good way to wrap this thing up. Yeah, I got a I got a good story. I don't know if I've told it. Maybe with Bo, I've, I've mentioned. Uh, I think maybe. Maybe eight years ago was like maybe the first time I headed to Iowa. I think when we were in our 20s, early 20s, we went and then kind of did whatever. And then I drew an Iowa tag about eight years ago. And it was still, you needed four points. And people asked me, you know, when when you're going to Iowa? I said, you know, probably here soon. It was like middle October. Um, so they said, how long are you going for? I said, I'm going to go to and get my deer. And they just kind of like look at me like a deer in the headlights, like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, like, you think I'm going to say like, I'm going five days, you know, but this is back when I like I worked to a certain point in this year and then I'm done. I'll see you in January. So I remember going to Iowa and my buddy drew a tag too. And we were going to, uh, he wasn't coming out to maybe November 5th, you know? So I said, I'll get out there and cameras. We were using cameras then. So I took about six, eight cameras and that was a lot for that time. Oh yeah. Is this like the big double D battery days? Oh yeah. Cameras? Yeah. The yep. thing, yeah. This is, pro I, I want to say years ago, but it might've been 10 barn the way time flies now. I don't know, but yeah. so I had it out and I didn't, we just, I had, that was no, um, no phones. I had all, I had the flat map. I had maps folded up in my pocket, top of the maps. Mm -hmm. And that's how I uh, went out and had these cameras and hung them. And so my buddy come out in like uh, November 5th. So until then I had like a week or 10 days that I was just living in my Jeep, you know, 
So I, uh, I was out there and scouting, putting cameras up, and my goal was 170 inch deer. That's what I was going to Iowa for. So I scouting and looking, and I found some 140s, and I found a big rub, you know, I know it was made by a large deer, and I kind of hunted that area before my buddy got there, and I actually passed on 150 inch eight. Should you have passed that 150 inch yeah. eight? Yeah. So I passed on that thing, and then it was 145 inch 10 hanging for a nine, right? So, um, before my buddy got there. Johnny, I got to ask, I got to ask, why did you have this, this, this 170 has got to be it? Like, was it, was a mid fifties buck the biggest you would have ever killed? Like, why did you pass that deer? My buddy went out the year before and saw 170. And I, I mean, I think I would dropped a little bit in, in terms of the size of the deer for different reasons. You know, um, a lot of people were going there and a lot of locals are even taking up hunting more and hunting the public land. So I, I don't think it is like it used to be. Uh -huh. going out there especially i've been out there the last four or five years you know but i'm going out in january and this is no october november so i had that set my buddy was out there a year before and had 175 inch on camera so they did that year they had a little bit of an ehd problem but i mean i even run into another guy from maybe he was uh wisconsin or something or no he was from washington or oregon he's like i seen 150 i passed it up for 140 you know and he talked to some locals and he said, man, that's pretty big. You pass that up. So he was looking for a bigger deer too. And maybe it was just all the magazines you read and yeah. thinking those big monster bucks. And I think a lot of people do that. They want that. And it's not always there. You know what I mean? Like I said, they're not around every tree. So I remember I hunted one spot one evening and uh, I come out to my Jeep at dark and it was near uh, a farm and a farmer was there and he was waiting, you know, cause he uh, was, worked in his, you know, harvest in his corner or whatever. And um, so what are you hunting for? I said, you know, 150, 160, or so, you know, big, they're not even here. They shot them all. He said, I'm like, oh man, I, didn't go. So I started talking to this farmer and it was just me. So it wasn't like there was five of my hunting buddies. Yeah. He invited me up to his house, which is just up on a hill. And uh, we went in and had a beer and we were just talking and he always sees people from out of state and he's a hunter himself. So we started bullshitting about deer and then his wife come home and said, where are you staying? Oh, you're out here. How long are you staying? Where are you staying at? I'm like, um, staying in my Jeep. And she's like, what? She said, so she's doing dishes and that. And I'm talking to the old man and, you know, a couple minutes goes by. She said, you know, it's going to be 15 degrees tonight. I'm like, she's like, where do you stay? I said, I just pull off the road and I sleep. I walk in the woods all day. By night, I'm done. And I had a dog with me. My dog was a border collie. She's just like, she's like, and then we had two or three beers. She said, you can stay here tonight. I got an extra room. You, you can't, it's going to be 50. You know, I said, and they kind of like, four, like, no, just stay here. You know, we got room. So, and they're used to seeing hunters all the time. So I stayed there and the next morning I went about my way and I said, I appreciate you you ever come back, you need something happen, you come back, you'd stay here or whatever. And I said, all right, well, thanks. So I went on my way and then my buddy showed up, you know, he was there for that week. And we had a, we had, we had a hotel, you know, so me and him stayed at, and there was three of us at the hotel. And um, I told him where I said, man, I seen two big bucks. I said, go, go, go hunt this tree, you know, right in the corner, just, you know, I don't know. And so he ended up killing the, the nine or the 10, it was 145 inch, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a shot at the eight, but he was tickled pink, you know, so they were there for six, five days, and, you know, they went on to another state, and here, um, 
I think we had the room for one more night and I hit a deer that night coming back from hunting with my Jeep. So I barely made it back to my hotel, it was leaking antifreeze. And, and so this was my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a bigger deal than, than just I hitting the deer. Oh, this is a, I mean, this story's pretty long, but when I first got there, my heater wasn't working, so I had a guy in the room fixing my heater. So I called this guy back up to fix my heater. I said, hey, buddy, you think you can help me? Like, I'm no body man. I'm a mechanic. I was like, yeah, I'm no body man either. I said, I just need my Jeep to be running. It's leaking antifreeze. I need to get moving so I can hunt, you know? So I went, to, met him at his garage, barely made it there. And, and he ordered parts. And, and he said to me, it was about noon there the next day. He said, uh, is that, I got the parts ordered. It's going to be a couple of days by the time they come in. I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to get a rental car now. So he's telling me this. And, uh, it, it was like noon, lunchtime. He said, well, it's lunchtime. And I was just like standing in his shop and he was like closing up shop and going, I said, what's that mean? So go home and eat, you know? He said, come on, bring your dogs. So I got in his van and went home and ate with him. Then even then there was some other lady there. I don't know if it was a girlfriend or what, you know, we were just I was in the house. We were eating like we were best buds, you know, we cooked tacos and my dog's eating tacos. <laughs> it was a so. Hey, then uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I said, I got to get back. I want to, you know, I got to go get a rental car. Said, whoa, whoa, we don't go back to work right after lunch. I said, what do you mean? I think his name was Lonnie. I don't know why I remember that. What do you mean, Lonnie? He said, take a little nap after lunch. So we go into the living room. He pops a TV on and he kicks back on his recliner, passes out. <laughs> he puts on, what I watched, I remember watching, um, what was it, Transformers, the movie. I watched the whole movie, me and my dog watched movie Lonnie saw and logs so I'm like you know he wakes up about two and a half hours later he's like, ah, yeah let's get back so then I had to go get a rental car that was a whole fiasco but anyways I um I got my rental car and I rode that around and I ended up staying I went back to the farmer and they were so gracious enough to let me stay there you know so until I you know had my home back my jeep you know yeah in the meantime the farmers harvesting corn and so he would take one rig up, uh, one uh, semi out to the field and to get loaded with grain. And then he would drive, he had two of them. He'd drive the other one and unload it. Then he would drop the empty one off and take the loaded one. And he was an older guy. And I said, hey, you want me to drive truck? He's like, you're out and go hunting. I said, no, I got to, I can drive semis. I'll drive it. So I was out there helping him driving truck, you know, <laughs> one of my friends at home, but it, you know, um, we had phones then, but yeah, every once in a while, you know, I didn't have a lot of service up, I remember, but every once in a while, my friends back home would talk to each other. You heard from John? Nah, I haven't heard from him in weeks. I don't know. And the other guy was like, yeah, I heard he's hauling corn. He's driving semis. He's living with a farmer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he's living with a farmer out there. And he get his deer yet? I guess not. He's not home yet. <laughs> you know? So this is like going into Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? I haven't killed my deer yet. But I'm passing deer up left and right. I actually seen that 170 inch deer. So the eight point. So this is a pretty cool story. So I found out where that 170 was living. Uh, he was jumping this fence and he was bending down for the day and, and uh, I got set up in a tree there. The next, you know, at night I set the stand up and um, next morning I got in there and I knew he was there. And it was another thing that I tell people that these deer these older mature deer, they're not like the rest of the herd. So this was November 10th. 
um, I seen that 170, but at November 10th, that first big rub I found and I hunted there and he didn't even show up there because I, the does would come in heat and come to that rub and they would drag all these yearlings, two year olds, 130s. I'm like, where's this big buck at? He didn't want that, he didn't want all that drama, all that chaos. He was still- He's the old man. He's still not, like he's still going out. He's not ready for that, you know what I mean? So that, I, that I learned a good lesson right there, knowing that these animals, these old mature, they know the ropes and they, if they get three or four does, they're done. And they don't want that first one, it's just too much chaos. So I found where he was living and um, it was weird. I knew he was jumping his fence and bedding down and I hung a stand right where that fence crossing. Oh, what it was, I went in and hung that stand and I jumped him. And, and so I put the stand up but when he ran off, he was with a kind of with a doe, and and I I got to stand up in a tree. It was real windy, and, and uh, it was before dark that I hung the stand, and and he was a deer was standing on the other hill. I think he watched me hang that stand. Him and a doe. I seen a doe run, and you know, still the next morning I come and got in that tree, and um, so the fence he was jumping was on a you know upwind side, you know, and so. About eight o'clock in the morning, I, you know, I could smell him. I smelled him jump that fence. I could smell. I said, "Man, there's a." Couldn't see him, or know what it was. There was a, the crossing was in my shooting, twenty yards where he jumped his fence, but there was another crossing. Him jumping the fence fifty, sixty yards up, and he seen me put that stand up, and he knew to jump the fence and bed down for the day, but he didn't want to use that because I put, he watched me put that stand up the night before. Yeah, and I tell people this, I said, they'll, they're not going to move to a different County. They're just going to avoid that one. Like a sap, they're going to come and he's safe there. He lives there for a reason. That's why I talk to people about scouting. Do it. Don't be afraid to walk in the woods. He's there for a reason. You know what I mean? But, but don't be afraid to move if you mess it up, but you don't have to move 500 yards or to the next County. He's probably so that's what he did. He moved about 60 yards. He come into bed down and I smelled the wind was, you know, hit me right in the face. I said, that's a rotten buck, man. I could smell. It. Yeah. And so what I did was about 11, 12 o'clock, he come in. I know what he come up into that cedar thicket to lay down. I just cruised down that fence row with my stand and I put that stand up on that next crossing. And right before dark, I stayed there all day, you know, and this is like November 11th, 12th. I don't know what it was. Right before dark, the big eight point, I'm walking at 150 inch eight, I'm walking about 30 yards, stood there, and then I heard the big guy out in that cedar thicket, he stood up and I said, oh, here he comes, you know. So he jumped that fence and he stood there and that eight at 150 inch eight took off and uh, I shot at him and I hit a limb and uh, deflected and hit his leg bone, you know, not, not even lethal, you know, a couple blood drops. So I followed him, maybe 30 yards, a little bit of blood. That's it. So, um, so after that, I don't know if it was me shooting at him or what, but then uh, through the end of November, even in the beginning of December, I, I, I had three other chances at him. I never killed him, and I just quit hunting him. So the, the one time I was getting down out of a tree, he watched me, and it was down where that big rub was, you know, maybe half a mile away. He watched me get out of my tree. And he just turned and walked away. And another time, it was in December, maybe 12th or 13th, second week of December, I was getting ready to get up a tree. It was just a daylight and his doe jumped the fence and he stood right in, he stood in some thick stuff, didn't jump the fence into these open woods. 
and I had one little opening of 40 yards and I hit um, a locust branch about the size of my finger and, and it was heading right for him. But that was third, three encounters I had with that deer and I just, oh, man. I moved on. I quit hunting that deer, right? So um, it was a tough year. Um, so I was staying with that farmer and then I think I come home once maybe, maybe early December, you know, yeah. um, drove home. And the only reason I drove home because there was a buck at home that I was hunting. Why was I hunting him? He was about an eight-year-old deer that lived, it wasn't on public land, but it was where I grew up. And um, every deer in the area was a yearling or two-year-old. And then after rifle season, the only thing that was left was yearlings. So the area was hunted so hard and there was this 150 class animal. He was about eight years old and he found this little seam, this little place he lived, right? And I let all the rifle hunters hunt him. I stayed out of Iowa and hunted, but I come home, I think maybe the last day of rifle, put cameras out to see if he survived, you know? And I said, well, if I get my deer and I will come back and hunt late season. So, and I had a shed, I had one of his sheds, um, and he was like 150 or whatever. So I, w I went back out to Iowa and I hunted. And I, I think I'm, I, um, I think I shot at a 140 uh, another time in January. We're getting into January now, and I hit a limb. And then, um, then I, I hit a 160 inch deer um, in January. It was a brutal cold. Um, I got up in a tree, and um, there was these four buck. They were ganged up, and the trees were cracking. Wind was blowing. And um, I would get in a tree at 10 o'clock and I would only hunt for about four hours in midday because it was so cold. That's when the deer I found were moving. So everybody's out there muzzleloader hunting. I'm still, I got a bow tag. Mm -hmm. uh, I had this 160 inch deer with these other bucks come through and the wind would blow. And they were all in a group. And every time the trees would crack, they would run and they would stop and look around and they would run. There was no like, it was just like move and then stop, look around and move. So here they come right by me at 12 yards. They all ran and they end up st stopping at 12 yards. It's 160 inch 10 point. I said, I'm shooting that sucker. That's a good buck, you know. So there was one tree right up through his shoulder, you know. Okay. Yeah. I said, I'm I said, I'm going right in front of that tree. I said, I'm gonna nail him, you know, hit a limb. I hit him and hit a limb, stuck him in the neck. I'm like, oh my God. I said, this thing's 12 yards away. Um, it was a non-lethal shot. It was one of them years. Everybody, had, you know what I mean? It's like, then I was so down on myself. I said, I'm, I'm the worst hunter. I'm, you know, and not all those things, the misses were my fault, you know, hitting limbs and stuff like, it's just like, man, what's going on? It's like, I couldn't kill a deer. So fast forward till like January 10th, 8th, it was the last day of, um, hunting in Jan in uh in Iowa and it was getting so cold that I shot a spike. You know what I mean? And I put my tag on him and I went home. So I come home with a spike. But when I got home, um I wanted to hunt muzzle flintlock the deer in PA. So I went over to my buddy's place. It was only like a fifty he only was like forty acre hay field and he has a little piece of timber, you know, and it's just not really like posted or anything. It's just Everybody just hunts there and there's no big deer. You know, you're just a meat hunter, you know. But I knew this one deer made it. And I had his one shed off him. And I, it was, a, you know, it was 150-inch deer the year before. Oh, yeah. I didn't have no pictures of him or nothing, right? So 
I remember getting back to PA and there was a storm that followed me. So I get back to PA and I want to go hunt that deer. So, and it was one of them times I drove all night. I think it, it was a blizzard. It took me like 18 hours to get home because nice. I think they had I-80 closed and everything. And I was done, trucks flipped over and I'm driving home because I got to hunt this buck at home. So I drove all the way home. I run to my house, get my flint lock. I go out to my buddy's place and get, you know, and I just was hunting up in the mokes and just a couple of little spots, you know, and uh, I don't know if I grabbed the cameras or what, but I, I knew he was there. And uh, so the wind was blowing maybe 40 mile an hour and it was, and it was snowing. And my buddy got a little, uh, little oil well in this field, you know, um, where the guy drives up and checks, checks the oil, you know. I said, you know what, this wind's with this flint lock. I said, I'm not even going to the woods. I said, I'm just going to park at this oil well. And I know the deer was coming from across the road. So I sat at that oil well and I'm glassing across the road, Byron. And I'm looking. I see a deer come out, you know. I'm looking. I put my glasses down. That buck's standing right in front of my Jeep. <laughs> like 40 yards away. And he's standing there. He had crossed the road in a, in a ravine and, you know, and he just walked right up the hill and got in the woods. So I went to get my flintlock, and um, I don't know if I went up there or whatever happened, but um, it was just one of them years that I, I put all that time in. Yeah. Failed, you know, not always my fault, you know, attempts that I felt like you put all, even like this year, I put a fair amount of time, and it's like, so at some point you expect success, and it's like you think after 200 hours, I'm going to be successful. You know, I'm just picking a number out of thin air, but you put in that much time, but, but then you don't have that success and you feel like you're never going to have it. It's just going to be, it hasn't happened in 200 hours. Why is it, you know, you just kind of think um, the glass is half empty, you know, and you kind of get to some, and it happens to all of us, I think, and hunt, you know, I talk to people all the time. I had one that, you know, it has them seasons. Like, yeah. you know, two years ago, I spent, 40 hours in a tree and I shot two or three good bucks. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> <laughs> how it is. But uh, so that deer, he ran up in the woods and, and uh, there was maybe three days left in the season. So the next day I ran up in the woods with my flintlock. Here he come walking down through the woods and I shot with my flintlock and the, and the, it, it, the pan powder burned, but the gun didn't go off. I'm like, oh man. So Saturday was a, so the next day was a Friday and I just took my bow. I said, I'm not even dealing with a flintlock. And um, I got up in a cherry tree and it was like 40 miles. There was a huge storm coming in. I'm like, tomorrow's going to be snowing. It's going to be white out. They'll probably be bedded down. It's, 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 I don't even know why I'm hunting. You know, this is what I'm thinking in my tree. So I'm in this cherry tree and it's getting dark. I got my bow. I'm, I'm moving my toes. It's so cold, maybe five degrees. The wind's blowing 40 mile an hour. And I, I'm done. I, I'm I'm done. You know, there's still a little bit of light left. You ever have one of them days like I'm done. I ain't shooting no deal. I'm I'm out of here. I got to get out of here. We call that retiring. <laughs> so I I, I I no. I didn't get to lower my bow back. I had these big gloves on. I put my release off and I put it in my pocket. And my fingers are numb. And uh, I go to get my bow and hook the bow rope on to drop it down. And I look at here comes a deer, and he come walking. And there was maybe six eight inches of snow on the ground. So he kind of broke trail, and it was a little buck, four, six, two, I don't know what it was. And another buck come behind him. And meanwhile, these are the two bucks that big one was hanging around with. But in my head, I'm like, I ain't killing no deer. I ain't killing no deer. It just didn't happen. I spent three months hunting. 
So they were feeding around me and I, I just stood there, didn't put my release back on. I said, I'll wait till they feed off, then I'll get down. I look up, here come that buck. I was like, here he comes. I just see that big rack, you know? And I couldn't get my release on. I'm trying to put my release on, trying to get, my, get it on. And so I knew he was going to walk where they did. It was like a 10 yard, 10 yard shot, you know what I mean? So I just pulled my bow back and I knew he was going to walk right there. And as soon as I pinned him, I just hit the trigger, you know? I didn't even know if I hit him. And uh, he ran out into a field and I could see him. And uh, he laid down. I'm like, oh man, maybe that's a good thing, you know? And then uh, I don't know if I seen him get up and he walked in the woods. So um, I got down and I left. But I could see my arrow kind of went through him and it hit the ground on the other side. He was dragging the arrow and there was a little bit of blood. So I come back with my buddies and he was laying in that woods dead. And I think he was like maybe pushing 160. Man. It was a pretty pretty cool story that it ended and I still was in disbelief. So I left my stand up in the tree. It was so cold. We grabbed that deer and we took it home and drinking beer and celebrating. And that's when they extended the season in that zone to January 24th. You know, so this was January 23rd, I think. And oh, man. Sending pictures. There was no Instagram. I'm sending pictures, and people were like, where's that from? Iowa. I said, no, I shot a PA. There's no deer like that. I told them where I got it, and just people didn't believe it was possible that I shot that there, you know. And then once they heard it was me, oh, yeah, maybe. But so that, that was a <laughs> successful story. So I come back in March to get my stand out of the tree. And I said, well, I'm going to walk in the woods and maybe there's a shed here. You know, I, I mean, there was just a four and a six hanging around. So there was a ravine, maybe 200 yards down behind my um, stand. And I shed hunted all that last year. I found his one side was a typical 10. I never found the other side. I didn't know what he looked like. People told me he was like a 13 at some crazy points. So you know, and I spent endless hours looking for the other side, never found it. So I got my stand out of a tree and set it down at the bottom of the tree. And I walked down through the woods and there was this ravine that formed down in the woods. It wasn't real deep, maybe 10 feet deep. And I look, I'm at the head of the ravine. I look down, I said, there's something white under that log yeah. down in the ravine. I hiked down there. It was this horn from the year before. It was a dead log, Byron. He went down in that ravine and he knocked that horn off. And it had all, I think it had seven points on its side, stuff coming out the base is all kind of crazy shit. So, oh, what a cool story. Yeah. 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 And icing on the cake after a rough year, you got his sheds, you found one of his sheds after you shot him. I mean, that's just, it don't get any better than that. And then I called my friends and I, what I was staying with, I showed them what I shot. They're like, what are you coming out here for? You got to be around there. I'm like, no, this is like, a fluke i mean this don't even exist so um yeah that's a it was a long there was even more to it thing oh but that's a that's a full circle was a it ended up at all them hours that's cool it come under me so yeah. Well, Johnny, we, 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 I, I tell you what, I think we're going to wrap this one up, but, uh, I think, uh, we'll have to do more of these. I, I get a kick out of listening to your stories and I think you have a, a lot of a cool perspective. You obviously are doing this all the time from, from, from public land hunting and, and running trail cameras. Uh, you're definitely a guy I, I look up to in this space that I can learn a lot from. So a podcast just gives me an excuse to push record and ask selfish questions. Yeah. That's good, bro. I mean, and you know what? Nobody and I take people hunting 
Yeah, I think my fiance said, I'm like, maybe we should go down here and hunt. What do you think? She looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, you're the big deer hunter. What do you? I said, but I don't know everything. You know? Yeah. I spent 200 hours and I didn't kill a deer. I mean, like this year, I pulled my bow back on that 110 and I, that was it for the whole year. And the year before that, I shot two or three and 40 hours ago. You know, so it's like, I don't know. And you can always learn from other people and there's no really dumb question. And it's, like I said, it's how do you see the woods? You know, how, what's your perspective on it? And how are, you know, some people are influenced this way. And they might be repeating that, but how do you see it? And, how, and that's what I just kind of, how I see it, doing it all on my own and, and learning yeah, you know, yeah. the way how I see it. So. Well, thank you very much, Johnny, for, for coming on. I will uh, tag people, anybody who wants to find more of these podcasts. Uh, like I said at the beginning of this one, the Exodus bow with East, Me- East Meets West, yeah. and it just did a Wired to Hunt about three or four weeks ago. So, um, you know, if you want to hear more from him, check him out. Um, he's also on Instagram, Johnny Stewart. You can find him there. So, Johnny, anything else I'm missing, man? Yeah, I did want to just shout out uh, Spartan Forge. I want to do a shout out for them. I'm working yeah. with uh, them this year. Um, and it's kind of a, a, a the, so Bill is the designing. It's not, it's kind of in its infancy, but it's more of a, uh, he calls it an artificial intelligent. Uh, it's how he, uh, he got all these radio colored deer around the country that, um, and he got all this, how they move based on weather this hunting yeah, he's practice. got he's got a lot of analytics going into it um the the podcast you guys just did with Bo and him was was very interesting and he has a, a military ops kind of background plus data getting more data um he's got some cool stuff in the works yeah so if you want to check that out it's a it's uh you know not an app yet but he's i just talked to him here before i got on with byron he's just working every day trying to refine it and get it to where it's better and he got different models and stuff like that and stuff that I don't even really um it's all scientific stuff but I'm going to work with that this year and if you want to check that out you can use promo code Johnny call small letters Johnny and you can get some discount but if you're interested in learning um and using that this year to help you and so like in the past like I said Byron I would go maybe before a front came in I would head to a state you know, and, 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 but some of these things he's learning is like some of these deer will move before front, some of these big bucks will wait till afterwards. So I didn't really, you know, I didn't really have a, uh, any scientific data to tell me when, you know, what I want to pick up from this state and move to that state to hunt, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to work with Bill and especially the guy that like I'm where I'm at now, I don't have the time to do all the scouting in these different states. So you know, you can, you can get on this Spartan Forge and it'll tell you, you put in your zip code and it'll tell you when, you know, when the deer are transitioning and nothing's like, you know, it's going to happen, you know, like the deer are going to come to you, but it's, it's that extra edge that everybody's looking for to help them, you know, in the deer hunting woods where there's a camera, but this can, can use that as another tool in your tool belt to help you. So yeah, if you want to check that out, that's out there. So we'll see what happens this year. Yeah. Well, cool, Johnny. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure we'll be in, in communication soon. Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap this guy up. Team Harder and Bucks, we are out.